Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Health Coach Lou, and you're listening to the Smart Talk Podcast. You're going to hear specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and right on time health and wellness conversations. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Smart Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Health health Coach Lou, and I got a special guest in the building today, virtually, uh, Matthew Moore. He's a health coach and uh, is it Lord's Hospital? Yes. In um, Binghamton, New York, uh, TEDx speaker. I want just a quick story before I have you introduce yourself um, on how I got to find out about Matthew Moore. So my 2020 goal was to do a TEDx talk. So like anybody else, I go to YouTube, I search TEDx health coach. And the first video was Matthew Moore finding wellness in healthcare. And I listened to it and I was like, man, this, this cat is preaching in this video. I'm like, this is, this is dope. Cause every word spoke to me. So I had to reach out reached out on LinkedIn and that was probably I don't know what maybe two months ago I want to say maybe longer ago and we've been rocking ever since man so um I want to welcome you to the smart talk podcast uh, and taking this time out of your day man thank you so much cool thank you so much for having me you're uh making me sound a little bit uh a little bit good there <laughs> hey, man, you, you do good work you do good work so I really wanted to start the podcast with really, you know, the, the beginning. I know there's, there's a lot of obvious things going on, especially in, you know, what we do as health coaches with uh, COVID-19 out there kind of disrupting how we, we work with patients. But I kind of want to start at the beginning with you. What, what um, where'd your career start and, and how'd you get to, you know, health coaching in a clinical setting? Cool. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird times right now uh, as far as COVID goes. So, but at least we've got the time now to sit down and do some stuff like this. So that that's really cool. So it it's kind of an interesting story as to how it all got started, really. So when I got started health coaching, I didn't actually know health coaching was a thing. <laughs> I honestly thought <laughs> I. So, I was I was working with the same company I'm with now as a recreation therapist. Uh, previously I was a personal trainer. I was directing personal training, was doing it on the side, a lot of little side hustles like that. So that was kind of my background was coaching and training. I wound up in this rec therapy job. I liked that a lot, but it was grant funded and it fell through. Uh, so when it fell through, I kind of figured, uh, nothing to lose. I'll write the perfect job as far as I see, and, uh, I'll bring it to the CEO and see what they think. So I went through the last couple of years of what uh, of what we do in this region called a community health needs assessment and saw where they had described there was a couple of gaps in some healthcare uh, and wrote a job description that I thought filled those gaps and was suited to what I thought I was pretty good at and would specialize in and brought it to the boss. And they said, cool, go for it. <laughs> so nice actually, man yeah, that's that a great was, that story was pretty wild. <laughs> that's so, a great story you know i it, literally got to write my own job 
<laughs> and, and you know what, what I enjoy about that story because you told me that the first time we spoke as well what I enjoy about that is when you said you wrote what you thought was the your dream job or like the the best role for you and it that's what health coaching health coaching is you know it's it's a we are we are behavior change you know soldiers in a way and trying to help patients the best that we can um so tell you know tell us a little bit about you know what what a day-to-day you know pre-covid look like for you you know when you when you would uh, work with the patients yeah so it it took some time to evolve you know over that first year since i had started a lot had changed we had kind of learned um what was working well what was not working well and there there wasn't really a solid outline so to speak so all of the protocol and procedure was trial and error. Mm, but what mm-hmm. we developed into and what we had learned is that it, it was all about the contact and the support. So pre-COVID, uh, what I had been doing was a, a patient would get referred to me by their doctor, right? So a doctor would say, hey, you've got these issues. Um, you need to change your diet. You need to exercise yada, 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 the same stuff that we're all hearing all the time. Um, but rather than do nothing now, you know, we had this health coach position and, uh, they would refer them to me. So I'd reach out to the patient, give them a call. We'd set up a time to meet. And just as it, it had started with me trying to kind of just get myself established and meet with as many people as I could. But what I was doing was offering to meet them wherever they wanted to meet. So rather than you have to come to your doctor's office, there's uh, a park you like to go, to, a coffee shop you visit, a library you're a member. Uh, there was a couple of people that I had actually met them in their office at their their uh, at their job. Really, that's dope, what, man. What I learned from that, it, it it was actually breaking down barriers, though. At the same time, so I've I've continued to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that because I, what I was going to say was I can see how, you know, them not having to meet when someone meets in the hospital and maybe you you can um, maybe you've had the same experience. Sometimes they are not as open because the hospital has, yeah. a, has a stigma to it. Like, oh, I'm going to the hospital, even though we're not doing the same things as they would do with their provider. They could have that feeling of okay like shut down in a way some don't but there there is that feeling of i'm in a hospital i can't be open and honest but when you're not in the hospital that that stigma or that barrier seems like it would be gone absolutely and there's there's kind of that white lab coat effect to yeah even even though i'm introducing myself as a health coach you know i'm non-clinical i'm just here to help you out and hang out it's all high fives and cool stuff we're still sitting in a technology office. Right. So, so there's still a lot of that going on. So that was pretty cool. I'm still doing that. Um, so we would, we'd basically meet up. We'd, we'd have our whole conversation. We can really get into that if you'd like to also. Yeah. And then it was, it was all about the frequent contacts after that. I had found that was way more important than the actual content of the conversations, interestingly. so The accountability that you brought. Right. Right. It's, it's all about the accountability, the contact and the support, man. It's, it's blown me away how little support 
some people really need. Uh, it's it's absolutely incredible how close people are, and the the marginal amount of love that they need to experience before they can push themselves to be people they didn't even realize. Yeah, I I, I want I want to talk about that a little bit more. Can you, can you give me an example? Because I I one hundred percent agree with you. Give me can you give me an example of you know a time where you met with a patient where all they needed was that extra support and it went it they, there was a massive success for them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, this 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 story I'll, I'll tell you was was the first time that we we had realized as a company how how impactful that was. So there was a. Uh, a type two diabetes patient um, that that I had started working with. This was a while ago. Too. This is when we had first started. Uh, we met up. Super great guy. Really into everything. And then, like we often see, he kind of fell off for a while. Mm-hmm. We had our first meeting a week later. We meet at his gym. We kind of work out a little exercise routine. I had talked to him maybe two or three times after that. But then it was just messages. I was just calling him and leaving him messages, calling him and leaving him messages. And since I had just started, my caseload was pretty low. So right. I figured, heck, I got your information. I'm going to keep calling you until you tell me to do otherwise. <laughs> so a few months go by of me just calling this guy every week and leaving him a message on his answering machine. And I had gotten an, uh, an email from somebody at our endocrinology office saying that this guy's brother had come into the office looking for me. And I was like, Oh boy, Uh that's probably not good. Right. (laughs) He's trying to fight. Right. Usually, usually when dudes come looking for you, it's not, not for a good thing. No, Um, it's not a high five. So I, I reached out to this gentleman uh, to, to see what, what fire I could possibly put out, what I could do for him. (laughs) And he wanted to get a hold of me because he wanted to tell me that I had saved his brother's life. Wow. I was like, I hadn't talked to your brother in months, man. But he said, because because I was calling him and checking in on him, he kept doing all the stuff we talked about. And he got his A1C under control. Uh, He got, and like, it just sort of spiraled for him from there. And he got a bunch of other things under control. Because I was leaving him messages on his answering machine. Right. So it, on that on that voicemail, were you like saying, "Hey, just checking in," or "Hey, give me a call back," or were you giving him some 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 tips? What is that? What were you doing in that voicemail call like that you felt zero real content? <laughs> really? <laughs> hey, hey, it's Matt Moore. I'm the health coach from Lords. Checking in. Want to make sure you're doing all right. Give me a call or a text when you can. That's it. But just mentally for him knowing, oh, my health coach called me and he has to, he's doing what he needs to do because he knows you're going to continue to call him. Yeah, that's it. Wow. And I don't think people understand the, how much patients really want to get, get better. And, but I mean, on, on average, and I don't know, these are, don't quote me on these averages with physicians. I, I heard this a few years ago, but on average, a physician is meeting with the uh, patient for f- roughly 15 minutes. Now, you know, I heard in our region is less than that, seven to nine minutes. Right. So in that seven to nine minutes, you, you cannot change behavior in that seven to nine minutes. 
So exactly. that extra support is is necessary. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. okay, your doctor gives you a you know a piece of paper. Okay, you're you're pre diabetic. Here's a paper talking about what you should do: eat healthy, you know, do this. Okay, that's all great, but there's no follow through. If when once it's just that, there's no follow through. So having that health coach available, like what you're doing, is is phenomenal. It's it's just phenomenal. We we've actually had um, some some research locally done by one of our providers that had found the more literature you give a patient, so every page you give a patient increases uh-huh. chances by like a factor of three that they do not read what you had given them. So if you give them two pieces of paper, they're three times as likely to throw it in the trash than if you had just given them one, and so on and so forth. And I believe it. I, so I believe you give someone a packet. Yeah, it's it's it means nothing because they're not they're not looking at it. They're not they're not looking at it, right? So, you know, we all we understand that there's a tremendous value in health coaching, and I I, I love your thoughts on this. This is something that I talk about with others. Is that our value that we bring isn't is is not anything you see on um on the chart it's not like okay matt saw 10 patients this month he brought in five thousand dollars you know there's no you don't see the roi of a health coach the way i explained it to a friend of mine is health coaches and this really got me thinking about the, the the michael jordan documentary that's going on right now right um health coaches we're we're dennis rodman we do all the things that aren't glamorous. You know, it doesn't, it's not, we're, we're jumping, we're risk. we're jumping for balls that are going, that we know are going out of bounds, but we're just going at it. We're getting the rebounds. We are, we're, we're pissing players off so they can, they can foul us and get fouled out. But the people only work. see, yeah, but people only see the 40, 40 points Michael Jordan did, you know, had that night. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Yep. The hell with what Rodman did. Michael had 40 and his shoes are dope. Yep. You, you know what <laughs> I'm saying? <laughs> How do you yeah. express that value that you bring, you know, that that they don't necessarily see financially? I mean, there is a financial, but you, it's, it's further d- down the road. I mean, there is research that shows there is, you know, um, an ROI from having a health coach. But how do you explain that to people that the value that you bring? So there, there's, there's kind of two sides to it. Um, Before I kind of geek out on the particulars of, of what's happening now in healthcare and how you and I are going to be able to continue doing what we're doing, the way it started um, was kind of a personal vendetta. And I was pretty open about the fact that I didn't care. Right. I don't care. Uh, how much, you know, you think this should cost. I don't care how much I'm going to benefit the hospital. I don't care how much I'm going to save health insurance. Um, I, I just <laughs> want people's lives to be freaking better, man. Right. And we, you look around, you see it all over the place. And you, you only see just the surface, too. You see somebody at the grocery store <clears throat> and... They're, they look like they're struggling with their mobility. That mm-hmm. is bare surface, man. You, 
you know, once, once you get to know that patient that looked like they might have an issue with their mobility, it turns out they could care less about their mobility. You know, their diabetes is killing them. They're so depressed that they don't even like, they can't even care to take a shower. Right. And they don't know where to start. Right. There are so many people that are suffering so tremendously because they're like, they just aren't sure where to begin, what to do. So when, when it all started, I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. I don't really care where the money lands. (laughs) (laughs) Make it happen. Since, since, Since then I had learned a lot more and, uh, learn that money talks and if you're going to get what you want you have to learn to speak people's languages so absolutely that was, I, was, I was hoping we could kind of get into this a little bit as far as what's what's happening now in healthcare and how you and i are going to be able to keep doing this healthcare is shifting to what they're calling value-based rather absolutely. than service so what payers are doing and insurance companies are doing they're actually reimbursing hospital networks based on their preventative care. So if we, mm-hmm. can, if we can quantify to any degree what we are doing, um, which could simply be, you know, I think, I think I mentioned it in the, uh, in the TEDx talk, you know, it, it costs, I think it's $10,000 a year to treat somebody with diabetes. Right. So if right. It, if, if it costs 10 grand to treat Matthew Moore for one year and in one year, one health coach can decrease that range or decrease the amount of diabetics a hospital network is treating by 80. I mean, that, that right there is, it's pretty clear to see that that money adds up real, real That's quick, quickly, quickly. Right. So it's, it's hard to do in like a 30 second elevator pitch. Unless people are really into preventative healthcare, right? So, so I usually go with the uh, I, I don't care. I'm just trying to make people freaking better. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and that's all, and that's all we can do. You know, we can we can focus on what we do best, and l- like I tell a lot of my patients, if you do the things that we talk about within our session, don't worry so much about what the scale says, if you're doing X, Y, and Z, the, it's going to, it's going to come, the weight is going to come off eventually It's going to come off. So this, that's the same kind of mentality I, you have to be with, you know, um, health coaches and especially in hospitals and primary settings, you give them the patients that need, need us. You'll see, you'll see the money. Let us work. You know what I'm saying? Just, just let us do it. And you'll see how that benefits not only the patient, you know, financially, because, you know, I've, I've had successes where, you know, people have been able to reduce the amount of medications they've been on, you know, so not only they have a, you know, a benefit financially, but it also benefits the hospital financially as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all, all comes back around. It just takes uh, somebody sitting at the right desk to, to kind of see that and be willing to take that first step for us. Absolutely. And the, and the change is coming regardless if they're ready or not. I mean, it's, yeah. it's coming. Yeah. It's already <laughs> happening. So, you know, love it or not, it's people, here. People like you and I are coming up full of spite. <laughs> <laughs> it drives us. Yeah. <laughs> what? Hey man, I wanted to, you know, the, the obvious or the, 
the elephant in the health coach room, which has been, you know, COVID-19 and how it's affected, how, you know, a lot of us see patients now, um, you know, either telephonically or through telehealth. How have you been, um, you know, working, working through all this with your, with your patients? So it's, it's actually worked out pretty smoothly so far. Um, just because everybody got kind of thrown into the telehealth world all at once, you know, every, everybody who's seeing their doctor all knew that this is kind of what was going on. So people right. were relatively receptive to it. Um, most of what I was doing was already on the phone, but the, the biggest issue for me is that initial meeting. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. sit and meet with the patient. We, we sit together for an hour. You know, they're, they're used to that seven to nine minutes with their doctor. Right. So we sit for an hour and we, we get into the weeds on things. And um, most of the time there's, there's tears involved and we're, we're really picking, picking apart some stuff. So trying to do that over the phone, uh, it's, it's hard to do, but. It really is because you can't, I mean, there, there's a lot of, I, I love seeing patients in person. So this is really, this yeah. has really been a, uh, an issue for me. <laughs> you know, I do talk with patients over the phone, but, but there's so many cues you can get from somebody's facial expressions or how they, how they say something, they might be saying they're okay, but their body language doesn't show that. So then as the health coach, you can, you can see that and be like, wait a minute, you're, this is, this is BS. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? And then get down to it. You can't see that over the phone. And I I had been a, a trainer and a coach for so long that I'm, I'm super animated for you to know how stoked I am. You need to see me waving my hands all over. Like I'm, I'm doing it right now. I'm talking with my, I'm like waving my hands at the computer and moving all over the place. That that is a health coach requirement. If you don't wave your hands when you talk, you need to get another profession. Yep. (laughs) That's the Italian in me. I hear. (laughs) That's amazing. So, you know, our, our job is to help people. I and mean, we kind of established that, you know, so far we are behavior change specialists. We are, we support people, but you know, what are you doing for yourself during, during this time? You know, a lot of the times people who are helpers by nature tend to not really help themselves. So, you know, t- tell us, you know, what are, what are you doing to, to really, you know, keep your, your mindset or your body, you know, in shape right now? So, uh, I feel if, if I'm honest with you, I feel like um, most of what I do with patients, uh, it's it's all stuff that had come about from me trying to improve myself anyways. Okay. There isn't really anything that I talk about with patients that I haven't at least tried. And uh, one of the very few rules I have is I'll never ask you to try anything that I haven't or am not willing to do and try. So I, I think I spend a lot of time working on my own self-improvement. Um, for an example, I refuse to change my waking and sleeping schedule just because I'm working from home. Man, that's a big one. I get up at the same time. I do the same exact thing. The only thing that's a little bit different is because now I don't have a commute in the morning is my morning jog is a lot longer, which has been pretty cool. Um, nice you know so like same routine i still get dressed i got my little office and i pretend like it's work 
man, it, in that, it seems so simple, right? Just act like it's a regular day. And I, let me tell you, that is the number one goal that I have had with patients. They're like, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm eating more. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it's like, act, just, hey, what time would you normally have lunch if you were at work? What time would you normally do this if you were at work? Just act like yeah. you're at work. Now it's easier said than done when you're just staring at the pantry. But there are things you can do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are things yeah. you can do to get your mindset to click like you're just at work. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree with you. It's something I'm talking about all the time right now. And it's not, I, I think the issue is it's so simple that it's overlooked. And right. we are, we are just, you know, as part of being um, human, we're, we're kind of opportunists. So if we have this opportunity to sleep in a little bit more, we're going to take the opportunity to do it. But all those little acts of discipline, they, they make you strong, man. They, they do. They, they really do. And this is a random question because I just thought about it, but I really want what I really want to know what you think. Mm -hmm. So it, it has to do with nutrition. So I am of the thought that nutrition to make the talk about nutrition with patients as simple as possible, not trying to overcomplicate it, but mentally for that Sometimes I have patients that when I tell them, hey, we're going to do ABC, it's almost too simple to where they don't understand or think it's not going to work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they're so used to, you know, people, oh, the keto diet or which I'm <laughs> on the record. I'm not saying anything about keto or any other diet out there you name it, Mediterranean diet, whatever. But if it seems like the simpler I explain how I would like my patients or recommend them to eat, it's like, well, how is that going to work? My friend does, you know, the, the bootleg diet and they, they only eat this three days a week and they've lost yeah. 30 pounds. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think everybody's a little bit different, obviously as health coaches, we're required to say that every 10 minutes, but <laughs> yeah. for the most part, simpler is better, but I, I have found that most people are interested in why, you know, they kind of want to know what's going on. So my background, my education is in exercise physiology. Right. I'm more happy to explain to you why you should and shouldn't be eating certain things. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. The, the simpler, the better. One of the things that I go to all the time is um, what would your ancestors do? Mm. So when it, when it comes to nutrition, I ask patients to make their plate and look at their plate and think, what would my ancestors have been able to eat on this plate? If they look at one thing and it's plants, that, you know, they were grown in the dirt. Yeah, of course your ancestors could have eaten that. If they look at something else and it's a Pop-Tart. You know, where would your ancestors begin? Pop <laughs> if, if it's something your species has been doing for, you know, 90,000 years, then it's probably fine. If it's new, eh, maybe it's not worth messing with right now. And that, right, that's but people kind of break I'm, it I'm all down. I'm going to pretend to be a patient right now 
for for you, Matt. Yeah, but you know, pineapple is a, is something that I heard you can't have on the ketogenic diet, and it's not good for you. So then we get talking about how much pineapple has changed over the last couple hundred years, and GMOs, and your particular issues because of your previous diet. <clears throat> Then, then I'd be geeking out on you. <laughs> right. Getting the patient to understand what, what they're actually trying to say. And a, another side of that is being available for those questions. Yes, absolutely. When those questions pile up, that's when people get overwhelmed. But if, mm. if someone's like, hey, uh, fruit is good for me, um, what do you think about pineapple? Can I eat pineapple? If they can just shoot you that text message as soon as it comes up, then nutrition isn't going to become something that's overwhelming because they can always get answers to that. Right, right. Absolutely. That's a good answer. Thank you for that. So, so Matt, like I told you before, you know, um, I want to give the people something they've taken away. This has been a very informational and a great, you know, conversation with you, but I want them to go away with a SMART goal. Now, for those who are listening that don't know what SMART goals are, um, smart goals are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timed goals. That's pretty much, you know, a health coaching 101. A lot of health coaches, you know, not even health coaches, you know, a lot of people use smart goals. They're even used in business, you know, now from people I, I know that use them in business. Um, what's a, so I gave you some time to think about a smart goal for the people. Uh, what's a, what's a smart goal that you, you came up with? So, like I had mentioned, actually, just by coincidence, I'm never going to tell anybody to do anything I'm not already doing or haven't tried in the past. And something I'm sure that you have encountered, too, in your coaching, one of our biggest obstacles when it comes to behavior change with diet and exercise, because that, mm-hmm. that's stuff, right? That's uh, right. That's the meat and potatoes. As Absolutely. But we can't do those things when there's mental health conditions that are limiting those things. And many people aren't willing or are skeptical of some of the you know, self-dialectic behavioral therapy tools we have, like mindful meditation. So right. that is, is much simpler than that is practicing gratefulness. So um, I don't I don't want to take you too long, but I got to geek out on you a little bit about gratefulness. Hey, man, the, it's the That's balls okay. in your court. <laughs> That's all right. So um, gratefulness and entitlement are two characteristics that you cannot have at the same time. So if if you start at baseline and you feel I should have clean water, right? And then you don't get clean water. You don't have it. And it's like, crap. I don't have any freaking clean water. This sucks. Right? Right. But if instead, rather than entitlement, you are grateful for clean water, then if by chance you don't have clean water, suddenly, or for whatever reason, then it's, it's not that you are owed it. It's that you were grateful for it. So there, there's a, a real difference in your perspective on things. And when you practice it all the time, it changes how you perceive certain circumstances. Mm. So rather than, you know, 
feeling terrible about yourself because you you had a cheat meal and you're overweight, you might be grateful that you can walk. You know, Man, there, yeah. There's there's a lot that can change in how you behave based on how you perceive the world around you. So <clears throat> now that I'm off my soapbox, um, that all <laughs> suggest uh, for a smart goal is to keep a gratefulness journal for one week. So what what that looks like uh, for me personally, the very first thing I do in the morning. So while the coffee's brewing, I'm still half asleep. I crack open a notebook. It can be uh, when I started doing it, I was doing it on index cards. It can be post-it notes. Um, it, it, it really doesn't matter. It completely doesn't matter. All it matters is that you're writing it down. Take 30 seconds to a couple of minutes to write, today I am grateful for blank and why. That's it. That's all you need to do. And when you do that consistently after a few days, you'll find, first of all, that there's a lot of really awesome stuff in your life, right? That we, right. We're tremendously blessed. We're recording a freaking podcast right now. <laughs> Right. We have the internet, which is a limited pool of knowledge and information. That's crazy. You know, but when, when you when you do it day to day, you start to think of things a little bit differently in that sense. And when you're thinking of things in that terms in, in terms of gratefulness rather than entitlement, it limits your stress. It allows you to see your decisions more clearly and make smarter choices. Awesome, man. Gratefulness, gratefulness journal for one week. And you know what I can see, I'm just envisioning myself doing this and I can see how if I'm having a bad week, being able to go back to that, you know, those, you know, index cards or that journal and looking at everything I'm grateful for. And realizing, man, like you said, I'm in the comfort of my own home, recording a podcast over the internet, and there's somebody right now that would, I mean, I mean, I have fresh fruit, and I have, I have so many things that you could take for granted. Like, some people could take for granted, hey, people took for granted toilet paper. And so they went to the store and couldn't get that. So for everybody listening, that first that first journal entry should be, I'm grateful for Charmin because that thing is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it, it really can be super, super simple. It, it can be super deep and complex too. You know, I wrote uh, a few days ago, uh, I wrote, I was grateful for my wife. You know, that's, that's going to be a full pager, you know, that'll yeah. a couple of minutes. but um, <laughs> there, there's other days where you think of something smaller, you know, like running water, for example, you know, how many people don't get that man or causing you would even think. Yeah. Or yeah. Or any, anything like that. I, I have heat in my home. One of, one of the biggest problems facing our culture and our patients is we have too much delicious food. <laughs> Let that sink in a little bit. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, 
we have too much food. Yeah, you know, like that's that is crazy to think. Yeah, but if if you can digest that and put it on paper, it it helps you kind of organize that in your head, and it helps you respect things around you a little bit more and see things more clearly and make better choices. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Matt. Any any last words, man? Anything? We've been on this thing for about thirty five minutes. That went fast. So oh, I, 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 <laughs> I want to thank you again for your time. Any last words? Anything that you want to tell the people before we get out of here? Um, I got a million things I'd love to say. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, I'm gonna have you back on. Trust me, because you know I, I feel like you have a lot of you have a lot to give to the world, man. You have a lot of knowledge. And it's, it's, it was, this was great. So I know they're going to get something. There's some value in what we talked about today. Oh man. I'm, I'm so happy that you had me on. It feels, it feels so good to be able to talk about something I'm passionate about. And then other people think it's cool and tell me I'm valued. That's, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. And everybody, if you're listening, go to YouTube and search, you know, wellness in healthcare. It is a great TEDx talk. It, it talked about a, lo- a lot of the things we spoke about today, but it's, it was really good. So I, I encourage you all to, you know, go listen to that. Um, reach out to, you know, Matthew Moore. He's on, I know he's on LinkedIn. I don't know any other social, but yeah, yeah man. Sorry. I, I forgot about that. I'm, I'm not <laughs> any other social networks. I'm not a big social media guy. Um, but yeah, I am on LinkedIn. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not mad at you at all. Well, <laughs> Um, Again, this is a Smart Talk podcast where we have specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and right-on-time conversations. Again, Matt, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for having me. This has been awesome.